Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Coach Cottle's Corner. Today we've got our third and final interview with the one and only Bill Tierney. Enjoy. So tell me about this year's Denver team. <laughs> we couldn't be, you know, last year we were managing great people and great older players. And that's all it was. It was managing. We were putting him, deciding who was playing when, uh, putting him in positions to play, giving him a game plan, and bang, they went out and did it. You know, you weren't going to – I wasn't going to teach Jackson Morrow how to do an inside roll. I wasn't going to teach Ethan Walker, you know, uh, how to shoot a, a different shot, you know, or Danny Logan how to play any harder. Those things were not going to happen. What, so fast forward to now, this fall is – 22 of those guys from that team are gone. And now we've, you know, basically last year's freshman class was had masks on all year. They didn't even get to meet the seniors until February of last year. Um, and this year's freshman class of, of 12 guys, we basically now, instead of 22 seniors, we basically now have 22 freshmen. And so you can imagine the difference in, in what our practices look are looking like right now and, uh, and, and the pace of the play. But at the end of the day is if, if, if all I've said today with you is true and, and our, uh, our greatest joy is developing players and kind of, you know, saying, you know, competing with some of those teams that get the top, top, top guys, then, then this is going to be fun because we got a bunch of great young men who want to learn. There's a lot of competition. You know, I'd, I'd say that, uh, that Jack Hanna and, and uh, Teddy Sullivan and J.J. Silstrop have jobs. I'd say that, and, and Alex Stathikas. You know, I'd say everybody else is fighting for it, and there's a lot of competition. So it's, it's already been fun. We're already seeing some little bit of uh, emotion out there. And uh, I'm not sure if we're, we're uh, you know, going to be quite as talented as we were last year. But um, it's going to be a lot of fun to coach them, and I think we'll surprise some people. When you were at Princeton, you had Dave Metzbauer. You're in Denver now. You have Matt Brown. How are they similar, and how are they different? Similar in in uh, being phenomenal people and phenomenal coaches that have been willing to honestly stand in my shadow. But what we know with both of them is that they were in the show and and it's it's uh it's without those two guys i'm telling you it, it's not even close dave i i'd be i i don't know where i'd be um similar in in offensive intelligence and again i put them right up there with you in in this whole understanding of what happens in in offense and on offense man up geniuses um knowing personnel and where to, where to put them. Um, and again, uh, uh, allowing me to be the crazy man that I am and, and being as loyal, uh, David Metzbauer is, is in, in one of my top five loyal friends and you and Tony are right in there yourselves, you know? So that's how highly I think of this guy. And Matt Brown is like a second son to me. You know, he's, it's, it's just amazing, but, um, different, Different in um, a little bit more, you know, Matt was Canadian. 
uh, you know, um, so he, he's got a little bit more of that box kind of uh, sticks to the inside flavor to him shooting. You know, you know, the Canadians, they got, they got different. Um, they've got, uh, hold on one second. They've got different, uh, you know, ways of saying, saying things, sh- shoot up and down the pipe. Whereas I'm, uh, I'm more of, hey, a goalie's going to only make 50% saves. Just put it on goal. Uh, you know, just things, little things like that. But um, I'd say so many more similarities than differences. Uh, personality a little different. Uh, Matt's a little more fiery. And, and David was just really David, you know, stoic, smart, um, let things roll off his back a little bit easier. Yeah, the, you, one thing for sure, when David was at Princeton, he loved Princeton. And Matt Brown loves Denver. And uh, it's always nice when the guy who you work with cares so much about your program, and you were very fortunate with those guys. No question. And you know what's amazing to me, too, is there, you don't realize the relationships they're building with, with, your, with your players on your team. And then, then, you, then when it's over, then you really, you know, they start talking about these guys, and I go, well, how do you know that about him? And they, well, they know a lot about him because they dove deeply into the players and their families, and that's a very special uh, trait for assistant coaches to have. All right, th- we're going to move to a one. We have two more categories left, but this one I'll probably catch you by surprise. You, you've been you've been a head coach for how many years now? Forty one. In college? Well, I've been about well, 38. I was three years assistant at Hopkins, as we okay. talked about. So 38 head coaching. All right. What I want you to do is name your top five heckling episodes where you had been heckled on the <laughs> sidelines. One, two, three, four, five. Carrier dome. Any pick a game. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um Actually, you know, uh, it's funny that the, the Villanova people—they really enjoy me a, a great deal. They, they, you know, <laughs> Philadelphia, Philadelphia is known for uh, rabid fans, but there's this one guy, and I always kid with Mike Carrado, and I go, "Is, is my friend going to be there?" I don't even know who this guy is, but from the opening face-off, maybe even before the opening face-off, till at the end of the game, it is how. If my wife could hear this stuff. She might have divorced me, you know, 44 years ago. Uh, it just, it's pretty abusive. But Syracuse, you know, I'd go out on the field and, you know, this, the visiting locker room, you have to walk past all their fans to get to your bench, kind of. And uh, um, it, it's, uh, it's Syracuse is just more like, it wasn't as personal, but just more of, you know, you know, going to get something kicked or, you know, you know, and it just, and, and, you know, when they'd score on our team, it would be scoring on me, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, some, some, some pretty good ones, I'd say between, uh, between those two were probably, probably come up with the best ones. I'm going to throw one more in and uh, you can tell the people, how about Brown on Stevenson field? <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. Maybe I, maybe I had wanted to forget about that. You know, uh, um, tell them the Trevor story. Okay, well, it's funny. They, there's we're playing Brown, and Trevor was 12 years old, so it must have been, 
1991 or, um, yeah, 1991 or 92, one of those years, and we're playing at Brown, and there's this guy in the stands. I don't know if he was cold or whatever, but he had this total pink bunny outfit on, and he is just abusing me, just abusing me. And so, um, you know, and he, and so we get the game, and uh, it's we go into overtime. So it must have been 1991. So we go into overtime, and my son Trevor took came on the trip with me, and he's 12 years old. And we're in a timeout going into overtime and Trevor's pulling on my leg. Now it is a game. Like we're playing here and, and he's going, dad, dad, dad. I go, Trevor, it's overtime. Leave me alone. He goes, no, dad, that guy in a bunny suit just said something about mom. <laughs> so I turn and I turn and I'm over the, I'm over the, over the barrier in about two seconds. I don't know where I got this athleticism from. But I'm, I'm I'm over the bar, which is about six feet high, and uh, so it was <laughs> it was it was quite the moment at, at Brown. I, I you know embarrassed by it, but uh, proud of my son for uh, for for knowing that when they you know when they they cro- they can cross the line and when uh, they start talking about mom. Exactly. Now how now let's change gears. Let's go your top five memories as a head coach. Oh, that, that's, you know, it, look, the, the first one is, and I've said this often, the first one is selfish, you know, it, it just, but it's, it's the truth. In, in, uh, in 2001, we win the national championship with Trevor and Brendan on the field. Wow. You know, it was, you know, and it's kind of funny because uh, uh, we're winning the game by one and there's, Less than two minutes go. Those are the games, the, the days we had to keep it in the box if you were ahead of the game. So Trevor makes a save. We're up by one. We run down the field. All we had to do was keep it in the box, and we win by one. And to be to be honest, Trevor would probably would have been the MVP had we had we won at that point. Um, but we had this great short stick who runs out of the box for no reason. And I'll never forget because Kevin O'Leary is the ref, and he kind of looks and. He, Blows the whistle and gives the ball to Syracuse. Well, you know, Coach Desco's a great coach. He takes a timeout. There's 19 seconds left. They're going to give the ball to Michael Powell. They give the ball to Michael Powell. He scores, and the game gets tied. And so uh, I remember Trevor coming to that timeout after that and going up to the short stick who ran out of bounds. He goes, if we lose this game, I'm going to kill you, so you better be you better be running quick. So and then uh, the uh, – then we then then Ryan Boyle makes that great feed to DJ Prager and and we went and we win the game. But uh, that that was first and foremost. It's it just when you have when you have your 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 boys on the field that you spent so much time with have put up with you for in Trevor's case four years, Brendan's case three years. You know Brendan was an undersized attackman. You know he had played a lot the year before because BJ got hurt and. Uh, scored a winning goal against Virginia in the semifinals. Uh, you know, they, they've been through some moments. And uh, and Brendan was one who took a lot of abuse more than I did. But uh, to, to win with those two guys on the field was just really special. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, it's not just the, the championships, but those are the easiest ones to remember. Um, 
you know, and, and so, but, but you go back to, you go back to things like, um, you know, I remember at Princeton early in our career, we, we kept counting toward each year. We counted towards the kids call it the IT, the Ivy league title. And we were, Oh, and six, then we were two and four, and then we were four and two, and then we were six and oh, and, you know, getting that six and oh one in 1991 was, was a special, special time, but it's hard to, it's hard to not talk about the championships. And it's certainly the one here at Denver, you know, the three in a row at, at Princeton, the one here at Denver where, you know, it was just uh, coming from nowhere. We had a lot of talent, but uh, you know, basically a couple of guys carried us on our back. Uh, that was, that was very special as well. So um, I've just been blessed, Dave. I, I, and I don't know why I, I, you know, I just been blessed to have great players and good people and great friends like you. And I just, uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, I'm so thankful for, for all of that. I have a memory of, uh, I was in Rochester, New York, sitting with Fred AC and I think Tony Seaman in 1998, and you were coaching in the championship game, the, the world games. Was that as bizarre a game that as you've ever been a coach of? Yeah, that was at Hopkins. Yes. Um, yeah. It was the, the craziest thing ever because we were up 12 to 2 and, and in the third quarter. And I'll never forget, Doc Doherty was one was our second goalie. You know, Sal Lacasio was the starter. And we had put in kind of a half-assed zone defense just to use if we wanted to save legs. Because as you know, you got to play like seven games in eight or nine days for the world game. So I turned to Doc and I said, because, you know, Doc, get ready. We're going to we're gonna put the zone in. We're up 12 to 2. Just, just stop them, you know. And all of a sudden, they got to three, and then to four, and then to five, and then they put Gary in attack, and, and you know, so it's it's coming downhill a little bit at us, but you know, we still got plenty plenty of goal lead. We get into the fourth quarter. Anyway, we're up three goals. They put Gary in attack, and he's scoring goals. John Tavares is scoring goals. They're winning faceoffs, um, and then uh, so we uh, we just. We take a timeout with three minutes left, and Paul Wareham and Jeff Long were my assistants, and I said to them, no more shots. Next time we get the ball, oh, we had the ball. No more shots. So we, they say to the guys, okay, we got three minutes left, because in international rules, you can hold the ball basically forever. you got a, that whole box to hold in it. We go out on the field. The ref blows his whistle. One of our players takes it from behind the ball, tries to dive and shoot the ball, goes in the crease. They save it. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. It's, it's now... It's now, uh, you know, whatever, 12, 12, 13, uh, I guess 14, 14. And, and they had a shot at the end to win it that Sal, that Sal saves. So needless to say, I wasn't, I wasn't real happy with that player. I, I think I, I, I would have made him go to the locker room, but they wouldn't let, let him in. But uh, um, so we, then we went into the, the, all the momentum was on Canada's side, but uh, um, we just, you know, we had a, we had a bunch of winners on that team, you know, and uh, we in the timeout, and, and I'll never forget. Uh, Mark Millen says, "Get get me the ball," you know, and we all know Mark had confidence plus, and, and so uh, you know, he scores a goal, and it's not it's not sudden death, and then uh, Darren Lowe scores a goal, and then 
Canada goes back and scores a goal, but somehow we held on at the end. But it was the craziest, so crazy that when it ended, I just, I just wanted to shrink. You know, I just didn't know what to do. You, and one part of you, you felt so happy, but it was total just relief. And I remember saying to, uh, I remember saying to Helen after the game, just get me out of here, you know, because I, I was just, the, the coach just, just blew a 10-goal lead. I wasn't thinking we won. I was the coach who blew a 10-goal lead. So, but it, they, you know, a lot of people say it was the greatest game of all time. I, I see these Canadian guys all the time, you know, through Matt Brown and, you know, and, and a lot of guys who have played on that team. And, uh, you know, it's their worst memory, but and they don't understand that it's, it's it was at the time as one of my, one of my worst memories as well. <laughs> well, you know, the, the interesting part was it was that, you know, you had left Hopkins gone to Princeton. Now you're the head coach. And back then Hopkins was where everything happened. And so the pressure of being at Hopkins and then having them come back and if it would be losing the gold medal in Baltimore at Hopkins, the, there was so much going on there between, you know, besides the lacrosse game. And uh, on that team, who were some of the guys you had on that team? Oh, my God, it was it was just full. You know, as I mentioned, Larry Quinn and John DiCamasso and Sal Lacasio, Patty McCabe, who at first I wasn't going to take the year before in a tryout because he was a over-the-head takeaway checker, and I didn't like that back then, but he was such a great guy and such a great defenseman. You know, uh, Mark and Darren Lowe and, uh, you know, um, Peter Jacobs was our face-off guy. And uh, he he got tired. You know, he had these big, giant legs. And so, you know, he, he got tired. And, uh, you know, we just uh, – I'm trying to remember. There's so many – so many guys that just are legends, legends in the game at the time. Uh, and uh, Jesse Hubbard was actually on a team, Brian Volker. I remember uh, they called Brian Volker, shoot him, shoot him a Gavin for because he had a, like a goal in every game. And, uh, you know, and, and, and of course, uh, you know, he and Petro had to cover, he and Petro had to cover the gates, you know? And so uh, that was, that was, uh, quite interesting as we, as we went on David Morrow, who was my great player from, from Princeton. And, uh, you know, just, just so many, so many great players on, on that team. I and the Canadians had the gates. The Canadians had the gates in Tavares. The, the craziest thing about that is they also had John Grant jr. Who didn't play very much. And so, cause he was young at the time. And, uh, um, I've talked to him about that, you know, and, uh, course he feels like he should have played a lot more as I'm thankful that he didn't um but uh you know they were you know they back then the Canadians defensively were uh you know were they were going to take it to you and uh you know they they it was it was tough we had beaten them pretty as you guys did in England the last time you know you had we had beaten them pretty well in the in the first round but um you know then then that then that thing happened toward the end so uh, you know, it was an interesting time, that's for sure. And they and they don't care about this the the first time you play them. They're an no. entirely different different group the second time you play them. Absolutely, and and you know, and the other one I forgot to mention, of course, who's passed away, another young guy is Sanderson, who who was just yeah. stood up, stood out his head in in the goal, you know. So and a great guy, 
Well, my friend, I've used up enough of your time, and I just want to tell you, I enjoyed the living daylights. I knew most of the stories to begin with, but uh, I just think this was so enjoyable. Listen to a guy who has done as much as he has for the game of lacrosse and and more importantly, for the people who play for him. Uh, They come out better men better players, better athletes for playing for you. And I wish you nothing but success to continue on. And you should coach as long as you want to coach. Yeah, well, thanks. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I just uh, thankful for all those things we talked about and, and right up at the top of that is my friendship with you and, and Tony and how we got through these 40 years. I have no idea. <laughs> so, somehow we've made it <laughs> but thanks for this opportunity thanks you know, alright have a great day great coach alright buddy thanks see you hey everybody thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Coach Connell's Corner if you need us you know where to find us Info at laxallstars.com or laxallstars on social media.